Hello and welcome to the Alcohol Recovery Show, where we discuss practical, actionable steps for anyone who wants to achieve their dream of getting and staying well, happy and free from any form of alcohol dependence. Hello, this is Lewis David. Welcome back to the Alcohol Recovery Show. I hope everyone's had a good summer. And today we are starting a new series of podcasts taking us through to the end of the year. Just to explain, if you happen to be a new subscriber who's added your name to our lists over the summer, I am the author of the 10-Day Alcohol Detox Plan and I appear on these podcasts with Antonia Ryan. We produce these podcasts to support anyone with any alcohol issue. Although we've been taking a break over the summer, we've still been busy as Antonia's been putting the final touches to the manuscript of her new book, The Alcohol-Free Woman, which will be published by windspress.com later on in 2022. So with, with that, we'll get on with this week's podcast, which is all about keeping going. So if you've had any struggles keeping going with your alcohol goals over the summer, this is going to be a great podcast for you. And with that, I'm going to hand over to Antonia. Hello, and welcome to the Alcohol Recovery Show. How's your summer been? Vacations or holiday periods can be tricky times. We might be in different locations, away from our usual support networks, or thrown into close company with friends or relatives who are drinkers. I hope that you've been able to navigate these challenges and stick to your health goals. However, even if you haven't, a warm welcome back. What I'm going to talk about today is relevant to any time of year. The truth is that even if we've decided to stop drinking or radically cut back, there will always be triggers to drink. They are all around us in the form of other people, advertising, so-called special occasions, and perhaps the most powerful triggers of all are our internal urges. Those memories, emotions, or expectations that push us towards a drink. This doesn't mean that we are at the mercy of alcohol or our feelings, but it does mean that we need to develop a superpower when it comes to fending off the drink, and the superpower is the ability to bounce back from setbacks and to deal with triggers. A setback might be in the form of a drinking spree, difficult emotions, bad news or seemingly overwhelming urges to drink, even if those urges come from what feels like a really good mood. Next month I'm going to talk about a specific strategy to overcome triggers, but today we will focus on the ability to overcome seemingly negative life experiences without having to drink or to deal with those times when emotions run high and we feel an urge to lift a drink. A word that sums up the skill of being able to bounce back and keep going is called resilience. I write in detail about this in my new book, The Alcohol-Free Woman, 
a powerful nine-point plan to quit drinking. Of course, this ability to be resilient applies to everybody, whether male or female. Resilience is not grit-your-teeth type toughness, but it does mean you can adapt to difficult life circumstances. It means working through difficulties without resorting to a drink. It means being able to solve problems, cope with stress and feel optimistic about life. If you constantly feel overwhelmed and defeated, your sobriety is definitely going to be undermined. So cultivating resilience can be a sort of superpower in overcoming stress and the temptation to drink. Maybe you are unsure of how strong your resilience is at the moment. It's a big topic and it can be confusing if someone just tells us to be more resilient. What does it mean? In my book, The Alcohol-Free Woman, I present what I call a resilience tracker. This is to help you work out how resilient you are at the moment and which areas of resilience you need to focus on. I've broken up the topic of resilience into five sections of specific personal skills. And those are 1. Self-awareness 2. Meaning and purpose 3. Problem-solving and dealing with stress 4. Being realistic about life and 5. Growth and development The Resilience Tracker will prompt you to give yourself a rating on how well you feel you can apply each aptitude to your life. If you struggle with a skill, for example, meaning and purpose, you could give yourself a score that's closer to zero. But if you feel you are strong in that area, you can give yourself a score closer to 10. There's no shame or blame here, the score is just for you. So, for example, thinking about self-awareness, how would you score yourself out of 10? Do you regularly reflect on your thoughts, feelings and actions? Can you spot patterns or catch yourself falling back into old habits? What about having a sense of meaning and purpose in your life? This is a strong driver of behaviour. If you are passionate about your life purpose, You will behave in ways that support that purpose. So if you want to stay sober and have a real sense of meaning around this, your actions are more likely to be in line with it. So what score would you give yourself out of 10 regarding having a strong sense of meaning and purpose in staying sober? What about problem solving and dealing with stress? And the final two skills are being realistic about life and also growth. And development. The purpose of scoring yourself out of 10 across these five areas of resilience is for two reasons. Firstly, to help you nail down exactly how you can grow your resilience and secondly, to chart your progress. You can return to the resilience tracker exercise later and complete it again And your results will help you to focus on areas that need improvement in a very specific way. When I was researching for my book, The Alcohol-Free Woman, I interviewed many women and I share here the experiences of Janine and Amy. 
who talked to me specifically about resilience and how using the tracker and the ideas presented in the book helped them. First, let's hear about Janine. Janine's job presents her with constant challenges. She works as a nurse and has a lot of in-the-moment pressure. These pressures include dealing with emergencies and making quick decisions to prioritise her caring duties. Janine was keen to share with me her methods to deal with this in-your-face stress, as she calls it. When dealing with these situations, Janine focuses on her breathing. She breathes in for seven and out for a count of eleven. She can do this as she actually gets on with the job at hand. And her other go-to strategy she shared with me is centred on her physical body. She quickly tightens up all her muscles, holds for a couple of seconds and then lets go. In addition, Janine now takes the opportunity to talk through her feelings at work with her colleagues and her charge nurse. These practices are simple and easy, but the difference for Janine is now that she actually does them. When I spoke with her, she laughed about this and she said, Before I got sober as a nurse, I knew that I should be doing all these types of things for my mental well-being. But my idea at the time of stress release was getting off the ward as soon as possible and hitting the nearest bar. Now I take time to talk through what's happened. During the shift over a coffee or a handover, I cycle home and I cook myself a nice meal. I can't tell you how much peace of mind this gives me. I don't wake up at 4am in the morning after a heavy night in the bar, worrying about my dodgy decisions at work, and I sleep with a clear conscience. Before Janine developed her skills to deal with the challenges her job presents, she would have had a low score for problem solving and stress relief. Janine previously found it difficult to live with issues she could not immediately solve, and the stress has created pushed her towards the nearest bar. Nowadays, with her effective methods for managing her stress, she'd score highly. These stress management skills have helped her to be far more resilient and avoid drinking. Many of us can fall into a trap of black and white thinking. And being realistic about life does not necessarily mean looking at the gloomier side, nor is being realistic the opposite of being optimistic. It's possible to be realistically optimistic. Being realistically optimistic helps you become more resilient and avoids the type of all-or-nothing thinking that can lead to a drink. To illustrate what I mean, let's look at the experiences of Amy, whom I spoke to while I was researching for the book. Amy shared with me what she did to become more resilient. She presents as a smiling, fresh-faced millennial, rosy-cheeked from a dog walk with her black lab. She exudes cheerfulness and is quick to laugh at the antics of her dog as she greets me. Amy explained how things had been for her. She walked from home, single, and her only responsibility was her dog, who she dotes on. Amy has an administrative role for an events company and her stresses would ebb and flow according to how busy the company was. Amy takes a moment to reflect on her recent past, her face darkening a little as she sighs and continued, 
My daily routine consisted of work, drink, pass out, repeat. Luckily, I worked at home, and if I logged into my work account and appeared active, nobody asked too many questions. Poor Monty usually had to make do with moping about in the garden while I attempted to work or slept off the vodka from the night before. I ordered food online and avoided people as much as possible. I had no joy in anything and constantly complained to anyone who would listen. I tried to get sober before, but it didn't last long. Nothing changed and I still complained and felt sorry for myself because I'm on my own. It's a funny thing. I still have the same life, the same job, the same house and everything, but I feel so different about it all and I'm happy to be alcohol free. A major mind shift for me this time was learning about optimistic realism. My doctor gave me an NHS leaflet about it. I used to hate anything that reeked of positivity. I prided myself on being realistic and quite cynical really. I didn't want to pretend everything was fine when it wasn't, but optimistic realism helped me. Nowadays, I can see the good stuff in my life and don't feel the need to drink because I'm feeling low or sad. Amy touched on the problem of trying to be positive. Don't get me wrong, there are lots of advantages to adopting a cheerful outlook. But without awareness and honesty, it can be easy to feel pressured into forcing a smile or a jolly outlook when you really don't feel that way. Realistic optimism means seeing things as they are and deciding to maintain a constructive outlook on life whilst being aware of the difficulties. It's also about taking responsibility for choices and actions and looking at solutions rather than getting bogged down in the problems. I'm aware that realistic optimism is a key skill in developing and maintaining resilience so I was keen for Amy to expand on exactly what she had done to nurture this essential tool. When I questioned Amy further on this aspect of her sobriety, she had this to say. Before I got sober, I was just drifting really. I often felt sorry for myself. My parents are divorced, my dad lives in Australia and my mum passed away 10 years ago when I was just 20. I felt very alone. I was at art college when she died and had left the course to look after her. When the doctors could do nothing more for her, I retreated into my shell and felt incredibly angry at the world. I lost touch with friends and I became very isolated. I found it oddly comforting to prefer anything dark, you name it, zombie movies, horror novels, and I preferred music with morbid lyrics and really I just existed. I kept thinking about how meaningless my life was. Having Monty, my dog, to care for was the only thing that kept me going. I pride myself on being a realist, but when I stopped drinking, even I could see how my interests and lifestyle weren't helping me. So I went to the doctor to talk about my low feelings and got into this realistic optimism thing. I realised that I can either choose to look at my life as a disaster 
which it isn't, or choose to see it more realistically as having some bad bits to do with and some good things too, like my house, my job, Monty. I made a few changes too, such as joining a dog agility club that gets me out, and I've joined a few online support groups to stay sober. I just have this feeling now that I can cope with the difficult stuff and I'm not on my own in a lonely way. I like being on my own. I'm a bit of an introvert, but I'm learning to get out and mix too, which has definitely helped. Amy hit on two aspects of resilience that need to be highlighted. One was her observation that she could choose to look at her life negatively or in a more upbeat light. She chose the latter and as a result felt more cheerful about her circumstances. Second, Amy learned to reach out to others for companionship and support. Even though Amy is a self-defined introvert, these connections added a missing dimension to her life and lifted her out of her isolation. Amy had developed skills in being more realistically optimistic and now would score highly in this area of the resilience tracker. Resilience is all about bouncing back when life gets tough. It's a life skill that can be learned and practised. Key aspects of resilience are having a well-defined purpose in getting and staying sober, being self-aware, dealing effectively with problems, being realistically optimistic about life, and knowing you can grow and develop. I write in detail about my resilience tracker in my book, The Alcohol-Free Woman. The tracker will help you work out what you need to work on to become more resilient. And you can redo the exercise at regular intervals to chart your progress and see new areas to develop and focus on. Until next week, thanks so much for being here. Bye for now. Bye. Bye.